With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Another edition of Football Extra Points on our Sports Radio. Thanks for joining me tonight. I'm your host, Scott King, creator of FootballExtraPoints.com, part of the Yard Barker Network. On tonight's show, we're going to be continuing our discussions on the offseason. I've got a couple of great guests coming on this evening uh, to discuss the Steelers and the draft. So we'll be uh, talking to those guys tonight. Also, we're always open to your calls. If you want to call in, the number is... 323-927-2906. And we, you can join the conversation, give us your thoughts on the, the offseason so far, free agency, and the upcoming uh, draft for the NFL. So we are exactly one month away from the draft. I know we've been anxiously waiting for it. Those of us that don't have teams in the in the playoffs or the Super Bowl, we've been kind of looking forward to this. And Coverage is all over the all over the TV for the free agency. Now that things are kind of slowing down, uh, focus will move more towards the draft. A couple of more moves this week in free agency. Uh, we had Ed Reed sign with the Texans, so he decided to move on from the Ravens. Um, you know, he, he's still a solid player, still has a, a little bit left in the tank, so Texans trying to win the Super Bowl now, so maybe Ed Reed moves from one team that's going to uh, that won the Super Bowl to another team who has aspirations to win it. So good for him. Uh, Elvis Dumerville, after the whole debacle in Denver with his agent not following his paperwork and becoming a free agent, he landed in Baltimore, which is a huge land for the Ravens. Uh, great, great play for him. Uh, great place for him to land. The, the Ravens' defense was old, anyways. Um, they lost some players with Lewis and and Reed. So this gives them a great player in Elvis Dumerville. I think he's a great rusher and is going to give them somebody that can put pressure on the quarterback. So I think that's a, a great spot for him to land. Uh, works out for him. He gets to move on, I guess, to, a, to another team. He could have gone back to Denver if he wanted to, but um, really lands with Baltimore. I think that that's really going to work out well for uh, for the Ravens. Another big name that's uh, been in the news is Brian Urlacher. He had uh, kind of a public falling out with the Bears, trying to negotiate a contract. They gave him an ultimatum, and and he decided to walk away from it. And you, you've got to look at this from a uh, uh, kind of a independent perspective. Brian Urlacher was a great player. He was one of the best in the league, the best in the league at his position, did an outstanding job, uh, high-level defensive player of the year, multiple Pro Bowls. 
But at this point in his career, he's gotten dinged up recently. He's older. He's slower. And the Bears weren't going to invest a lot of money in it and give him a kind of a thank you contract at the end of his career. And as much as it's hard to hear, this is a business. And I don't blame the Bears for doing what they did. I don't blame Murlocker for doing what he, he did. He wanted more money, thought he was do it. The Bears weren't going to pay him. So they move on. You know, people who say, well, he they owed it to him to give him a contract or he owed it to them to stay. You know, they, these players play out their contract or they get to a point where they've either outplayed their contract and they want to leave or they've underperformed on the contract and they get cut. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's all about business. And and that's not anything that either team, either side in this deal has done anything wrong in my mind. It's just part of the business, and then it's just, just what happens. Uh, there are some other kind of notable names out there. You've got Dwight Freeney out there um, looking for a new team. After leaving the Colts, you've got Namdi Asamoah, who a couple years ago was thought to be one of the best corners in the league. He's on the street. Darius Haywood Bay, who's a, a bigger name than anything in OCU Manura. What you get at this point in free agency after the, the big flurry at the beginning you get these guys that are up there in age who have lost the step, maybe some guys that have had some injury issues, some guys with some performance issues, question marks around what they can do on the field like Hayward Bay. So uh, the, these guys will trickle into some spots over the next several weeks. Some teams may hold off and see what they do in the draft. So these guys may sit around and, and take a while before they land somewhere. It's also a possibility that, that they want to wait and see. Maybe uh, Brian Erlacher is going to wait and see what teams get in the draft and go around and handpick the the spots that he wants. So, um, you know, at this point in the in the free agency pool, the, the big names have moved. Now you've got these guys with these question marks, and, and we'll see where they're laying. So it looks like we've got Neil uh, on the line, and we can go ahead and dive into the Steelers off-season program. Hi, Neil. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Great. Uh, Neil is the editor for the Steel Curtain uh, blog. Behind on the Steel Curtain, Sports... yeah. Behind the Steel I'm sorry. No, that's fine. Go ahead. Behind, Behind the Steel Curtain there on uh, uh, the blog. So you you cover the Steelers uh, year round, and, and I was on your guys' site, and everybody's talking about the draft, obviously, and and off season programs. So uh, kind of the big headline Steeler for the the Steelers this off season was uh, Mike Wallace and and him moving on. Um, what what were your thoughts uh, of him moving on, and and will he be missed in the offense next season? Well, I, I don't think he'd be missing the offense next season. I mean, he was missing the offense this season, so it, it's. Uh, I, I think Mike Wallace pretty much sealed his fate in, in Pittsburgh when he turned down a contract um, that was offered to him last year uh, before the, the uh, training camp had started. They, they allegedly had offered him a, a five-year, fifty million dollar contract that. Uh, wasn't all that big of a, of an upfront payment, as I understand it, and that that was a, a risk he was willing to take to to uh, play the year on his restricted tag and see what he could get. And obviously, it worked out pretty well for him. He uh, he's you know hit a, a pretty big bonanza in Miami, and it, um, it it it's simply 
when a wide receiver hits the free agency market, the, the original team it doesn't have a chance. When, when he's 26 years old, when he's put up the, the big play numbers that Wallace has, so I, I'm pretty sure that the team had been uh, figuring him out of their plans for the 2013 season anyway. I mean, they, they used him as best they could, but it, it's it's time to you know kind of dial down the, the big play, well, the hope of the big play offense that the Steelers have had in the last couple of years because. Simply, their quarterback couldn't take it. I mean, Roethlisberger has been hit more often than than any other quarterback. I think that that stat goes. Um, it, it's time to to come back to a more ball control offense and and to really get back to you know a, a run first mentality. That's a big part of the reason why they've drafted as many offensive linemen as highly as they have in the draft. And um, you know, it, I I'm one of the few. Uh, Steelers fans in general that, that don't really hold any kind of bitterness toward Mike Wallace. You know, he, he went out and got what he wanted to get, and you know, good for him. He, he's able to do that, and that, that's fine. I don't think the Steelers need him to win. I don't think he was instrumental on in any championship team that they had. So, you know, Wallace is a good player. He's, he's going to make plays in Miami, and, and you know, hopefully, it's a, a playoff matchup Steelers fans can watch down the line. Yeah, and, and you hit on one of the the. Uh areas that I notice of a concern from the Steelers is that offensive line, and, and you're exactly right. It's, it's great to have a guy that can stretch the field, but if you can't give the quarterback enough time to, to get the ball to him, it doesn't do you any good. And that seems think, to be a, a weakness there. Yeah, I mean, a, a big part of the issue was, you know, their their desire to, to run deep plays, but it's not as if Mike Wallace is running nothing but, you know, nine routes when he's out there. A lot of it is, the, the hits that Roethlisberger takes is, is just as much on him as it is the offensive line. I mean, I'm not saying that this is, you know, the the, the, the Hogs back in the Redskins day, you know, level of talent or anything, but when you have a quarterback that wants to be as improvisational as, as Roethlisberger is, and he's said it multiple times before, that there, there's something, you know, in his mind, uh, it, manly and tough about sitting in the pocket and, and shrugging off, you know, a, a Terrell Suggs charging at him and still making the play down the field. You know, in a lot of ways, I think Roethlisberger waited for the pressure to come so he could react to it and then make a play. I and mean, he took as much punishment with plays like that that he did, you know, anything that was designed. If, if you watch him in Todd Haley's offense before he was injured against Kansas City in, in week 10, uh, the, the shorter philosophy was really working. He, he was one of the best quarterbacks in football statistically. Uh, you know, the team might not have been winning quite as much, but things were really clicking for Pittsburgh in the, the middle of last season. They just couldn't hang on to it after Roethlisberger had been injured and understandable why i mean he, he's the, you know the franchise player in that time you know mike wallace may have made a play or two but the, the bulk of that team was was uh succeeding simply because they were able to run the ball they, they could set up play action and roethlisberger was very effective i mean his third down numbers were absolutely ridiculous by about mid-season i mean he, he was a legitimate you know top three mvp candidate so it, it it's an offense that can work with what they have the offensive line is very talented they're they're arguably one of the most athletic groups in the league. So what they really need to do is just kind of, you know, protect Ben from himself more than anything else. And, and to do that, you got to run the ball. You, you can't pay Mike Wallace, you know, $13 million a year or whatever he's getting uh, to, to make a play or two a game. You, you really have to balance out your team, and that's what they're doing. Yeah, and, and Pittsburgh, you know, wants to be or historically has been known for running the ball um, they've moved on from Richard Mendenhall, who's who's had some injuries. Uh, do you see Dwyer as the the guy that can carry the load for for the Steelers, or a combination of him and Redmond, or do they need to go out in this draft and grab somebody in that second round? 
I think it's a little bit of both. You know, I'll say this. I, I don't think we know who the third running back is yet. I, I think the Steelers are going to look for uh, a, a real pure zone runner in this draft. I, I think they're they're really going to focus on uh, finding a guy that can come in and get, you know, probably maybe, you know, a, a few more carries than uh, Dwyer and Redmond will be able to do. I don't think any one of them is going to, you know, really outrush the others. But the younger rookie, the guy that they're going to want to go with in the future, is somebody like a Monty Ball, somebody like a um, – I forget his name off the top of my head, that kid from Michigan State. Um, players like that that have great vision, that have that run with great balance, um, they're not going to blow you away with their combine statistics, but they know how to run within a, a restrained offense, which is what they're going to do. They're going to be doing a lot of, of zone, uh, really inside and outside zone, um, a lot of stretch running. And to really succeed in that, it's not so much a, a speed thing as it is a vision thing. You need to be able to see where the cutback is, and you need to be able to, to get upfield and accelerate. And it, for me, anyway, and, and Steelers fans are happy, I'm not in charge of the draft. But I, I look at a guy like Ross Ball, <laughs> if, if he's around you know, in the third round, I, I have no problem taking him because, one, I, I don't think he's any less, ta- less athletic than Jonathan Dwyer or Isaac Redman are. And, two, he has much better vision. You can see it when he runs. I mean, he, he ran like crazy at Wisconsin, who's, you know, probably the best zone-running team in college football. That's a guy who knows how to do it. And if you put him behind a, a, an offensive line that has more keys policy and David DeCastro in one direction or another, you're going to be able to pick up some yards. Those guys are, are extremely quick for their size. Um, they're, they're very good blockers. They're very strong. They, they're they're going to open up holes and get things on the inside or the outside. And you get a guy like that, he can literally just go for four and a half yards all the way down the field. That that keeps your, your you know aging defense off the field. It protects your quarterback. You don't need to have you know 19 talented wide receivers in that kind of an offense. I, I think it's the cheapest route for the Steelers to go who are you know experiencing some cap trouble right now. And it, it's a very effective way to run a successful team. I, I think that's the direction that they're going in. Yeah, and in the way this year's draft shapes shakes out, you've got a lot of defensive and offensive line, even front seven players there in that first round. But towards the back, the very tail end of the first round, and then second, third, fourth round, you've got guys like you know Levon Bell at Michigan State was the name you were looking for. Um, somebody could take a chance on Marcus Lattimore coming off this knee injury, but um, there are guys to be had in, in these in these uh, second, third, fourth rounds that, that could fill a need like that for the Steelers. Yeah, I mean, look, who's who's the best zone runner in football right now? It, it's probably Arian Foster. Arian Foster wasn't wasn't drafted at all. You know, granted yeah. he's paid now, but, you know, for, for good reason. He, he's been, you know, probably the second best overall running back in the last three years. You can pick up guys like that because, again, their, their combine statistics are not going to jump out at you. But if you watch them on film and you know what you're looking for out of that kind of, of a style of runner, there, there's a lot of them out there to be found. You know, there, there are a lot of college teams that run that system, and they get guys that are that talented. And, it, you know, I, I can't stress this enough. It's a very cheap way to run a team. You know, it, it's, it's, Richard Mendenhall is one of the more talented runners in the game. He really is. He's a physical freak, an incredible athlete. There are, you know, outside of the game issues with Mendenhall, which is a big part of the reason why he's not back. But the guy is a very, very talented running back. And if he didn't get hurt, I think they could run the same type of offense with him 
but the injury held them back more than anything else. And it, it was, you know, great to see Redmond and Dwyer do what they did. But those guys, they're, they're limited runners. They're not, you know, in all honesty, Jonathan Dwyer might be the worst technical running back in the league. I mean, he he's just has awful mechanics. You wonder why he gets hurt all the time. He runs as high as he does. He, he doesn't have any real instincts. You know, if you, you know, put a, a Richard Mendenhall when he's healthy behind the line that they have now, they'd be very good. And they don't need to spend a first-round pick to find a, a runner of that capability. Yeah, and, and the league has really moved away. I, I've talked about this in, in some previous shows, moved away from that, you know, premier single back that, that carries the load like Adrian Peterson and, and Arian Foster. Most most teams are running two and three backs, so um, they can cover up some weaknesses at running back if you've got two or three guys that can do some different things. Yeah, and Haley has succeeded with that. You know, you had Jamal Charles there, obviously, but that team barely threw the ball at all. They they ran a bunch, and you don't see teams without running quarterbacks have the kind of rushing numbers that the Chiefs had, uh, you know, in, in Haley's you know non-controversial years. Um, they, they were a very successful running team, and the Steelers went out and got uh, Jack McNell Jr. He, he's the, he was the offensive line coach in Kansas City when Haley was there. And it's it's all leading up to you know a, a well coached a, a well disciplined I, I heavily emphasize the word discipline for this team um, it, it, a disciplined offensive line that can create things together as a group use their athleticism together and spring a running back who may or may not have talent I mean Jamal Charles was what a third round pick not the most talented guy in the world but he runs in a great system. They, they know what they're doing in Kansas City, and he's, he's you know an outstanding player. I'm not taking anything away from him, but the numbers that he put up in Haley's offense is more you know the, the overall result of you know a, a very fundamentally sound group of offensive linemen, and I, I really think that's what Pittsburgh is going to do. And you know, I, I to be honest, I'm kind of looking forward to it. I, you know, I'm, I'm I'm tired of seeing you know, Joe Flacco getting paid what he's getting paid because it's the market rate for a quarterback. When you're going to be able to run the ball effectively with three different guys, keep your costs down and be able to to sustain success into Roethlisberger's, you know, the, the twilight of his career. You have, you know, the good Roethlisberger, when you get him to throw the ball, he's going to be able to. But when your foundation is really running the football, controlling the clock and controlling the tempo of the game, it's really tough to beat those teams. It, you know, top to bottom, it, it's very, very difficult to take on a, a zone-running team that has talent doing it. You know, the Houston Texans, somebody that, that you guys had mentioned before, it, that, that's a great example of it. You know, they, they've they've kept true to their scheme, and, you know, perhaps if they make a play or two here and there in, in the last few years, they, they could be Super Bowl champions. You know, they, they've certainly played like it for a good chunk of the year this season. Yeah, they've been they've been uh, the team to, to pick coming out of the AFC the last couple of years and, and just fell short. And I'm sure they'll be, you know, after we get through the off season and the draft, they'll they'll be right back up there at the top. Um, with with the draft coming up now, exactly one month from tonight, um, everyone's got their uh, mock drafts out there and different players going. Uh, I I personally have the the Steelers in the market for a, a wide receiver there at at their pick 19 in the or no I'm sorry the Steelers are at 17 in the first round uh in that Patterson uh Keenan Allen is who I think is going to be in the uh in the neighborhood on your site I noticed you've combined you've compiled the the picks there for the the Steelers and there's a lot of defense uh that's being projected for 
for the Steelers out there, Jarvis Jones, uh, DeMontre Moore, D.N., uh, Mingo, uh, another D.N. So where are you at as far as the, as the need for the Steelers? We talked a lot about their running running game and need for that and, and to kind of pull things in. Um, based on what I see here on the site, you've got a lot of people leaning towards defense. Um, wh- where do you think they're going to head at that point in the draft? And I'll I'll preface this first by saying yes I I do understand what I just you know ranted on and on about running the football but I I'm behind you I'm I'm 100% convinced that uh, the best player that's going to be available at 17 is, is Cordell uh, Cordero Patterson out of Tennessee the wide receiver is there and the reason I say that is not so much a, a need even though there is a need considering they've got. Uh, Antonio Brown is the only receiver on the roster right now who's signed after this season, and two of the other ones are older than I am. So it, it's it's hard to think that they're not going to look for a receiver at some point. But, you know, Barkevius Mingo, is, that, that's a pipe dream at 17. There's no way he's going to fall that far. Demontre Moore, I, I don't think there was a guy who could have been less impressive. I mean, didn't he win the Vontaze Perfect Award this year for, for least impressive and, and largest free fall out of the top five of any player? For everything I heard of him, his interview sucked. His physical performance wasn't very good. It doesn't seem like a guy that the Steelers are going to waste their time drafting. All right, I, I don't claim to be an expert, but they're not going to draft the um, the, the Texas A&M defensive end. That, that's too much of a project for the 17th pick of a rebuilding team. Um, it, it, it doesn't seem to me that, you know, Jarvis Jones is a guy that, for whatever reason, I mean, I, I literally ran a 4-9 in high school in, a, in R40. I don't understand how he ran a 4-9 for the biggest interview, you know, of his life, especially considering he didn't work out the combine. So where is he mentally? Where is he physically? I, I don't understand you know, why he thinks that he doesn't have to do anything other than just flash the tape at people and they're going to pay attention to that. Patterson is a guy who showed up for everything. He's, he's Basically, he's Dwayne Bowe's size with, like, Percy Harvin's quickness. You don't see guys his size returning kicks the way he did in the SEC, and he did a very good job of it. He's very big. He's an outside-the-numbers kind of guy but he can create plays for himself in the short field as well. In fact, I, you know, by rights, I shouldn't even think that he's going to be available at 17 either. And I, I think he's a good fit for the Steelers. He's a, he's a guy that's, you know, whether he gets on the field this year or not, I think, you know, it might be kind of up in the air, but there certainly be the opportunity there unless you expect Plexico Burris to catch 75 passes. I, I don't see that happening. You've got a tight end on the Steelers who who caught 70 balls last year, who has a, a blown out knee that he got in December. So I, I don't know how quickly Heath Miller's going to be back on the field either. So the opportunity would be there for him to get out there and play, and he's a hell of an athlete. So you know I I think it's a great pick there. Uh, you know not so much a value need, but the opportunity is there for him to play. But he's he's a great football player. He's only going to get better. He's barely even played. I mean he he didn't play until he was a junior in high school or something like that. So I think that's a very smart pick. And, yeah, you know, defense is, is what everybody's kind of clamoring for. But, you know, there are 16 teams ahead of them that like defensive players too. And there, there are a lot of very good defensive players in this draft. So I, I I think Mingo would be a great pick. I think he's going to be a good football player. But he's not going to last that long. Yeah, there's a lot of teams ahead of them that, that have defensive needs and and uh, the, this draft is deep. You, you know, if they go wide receiver first round, 
maybe they go defensive end, second round, or, or linebacker, and then pick up that running back in the third or fourth round. So it is good that this year's draft isn't, um, you know, really heavy with the skill position and quarterbacks in the first round. You're going to get a lot of guys taken out of the trenches, which is going to build championships. In my mind, you know, I said in the Super Bowl you had uh, the best offensive line, in my opinion, all season long in San Francisco, and then the best offensive line that pulled it together heading into the playoffs. And you've got guys like San Francisco's drafting Iapati and and these other guards and tackles in the first round, and, and you look at them like, well, you know, who's this guy? I've never heard of this guy. But that's where you're going to build championships, and and there's there's a lot of uh, offensive and defensive linemen, uh, linebackers that are going to be available throughout this draft. So, uh, you know, if they go wide receiver first round, there's there's still extremely solid talent available in the second and third round on the defensive yeah, side. Yeah, you know, I I agree completely. And and look at the opposite opposite side of the field against San Francisco. I mean, the Ravens were, were a great example of that. I agree a thousand percent with you as far as, as Baltimore's offensive line went um, in the playoffs. They did remarkably well. Um, they, they played far better um, in, in you know their four playoff games than they had uh, prior to that. More than anything, though, what I really saw out of them was, was their defensive line. You know, a lot of very unheralded players and Granted, it helps when you get a guy like Haloti Nata playing, you know, healthy for for the first time probably in a year and a half. But guys like Arthur Jones, guys like Pernell McPhee, I mean, they they really came to play, and they they were able to do a lot of good things up front, at least against the pass rush. You know, it's a young, improving uh, run defense. I think you know Baltimore has addressed a few of those things in free agency, but the the core of that team is all built through the draft, and it's those you know third and fourth round picks that they've been able to hit, and the Steelers have not. It's been the difference between those two teams the last few years. You know, truth be told, I, I think Baltimore took over, you know, supremacy in the division in 2009. I, I think they've been a better team uh, each year since that. Their biggest issue has been, you know, just a, a untimely mistakes leading up until, you know, the fact they finally won a Super Bowl with the talent that they had. And it's because of the fact they drafted those rounds so well, and the Steelers haven't. And this year, more than any other year under Steelers general manager Kevin Colbert, he has to knock this out of the park. They're they're in real trouble if they're not because that, that 2008 draft is arguably the worst they've had in team history. They, they don't have any of those guys anymore. Uh, 2009 didn't fare very well. They, they didn't keep any of them. So they, they really need to hit on you know probably five out of seven rounds here. They, they've got to get guys that can play. If not this year, they have to play by next year. You know They can't draft Cam Hayward anymore. They, they need to get guys that can get on the field, draft players that won't take three years of practice to learn how to play. And hopefully they can do that. And for the sake of you know the future of this team, it, it's you know it's really going to come down to this draft. Yeah, and, and like you mentioned, they, the the rest of the well, starting with the Ravens are catching up. Pittsburgh was head and shoulders above this division for so long, and you had bottom feeders of Cleveland and, and Cincinnati. But you know the Ravens obviously are on top of things now. Cincinnati's been a, a solid young team coming up with with the young quarterback and wide receiver in place and. You know, Cleveland's messing around. I never bought Brandon Whedon as a quarterback, and I think he's on his way out quickly. But you know, every, every once in a while they make the signing of uh, Kruger and they do some things, and it's, you wonder when they're going to come up. But the, the the days of Pittsburgh being so much better and can just run off 10 wins in that division, uh, I think, are behind them. 
Oh yeah, yeah. It, it's it's definitely a lot more competitive than it has been. I I agree with you on Whedon. I, you know, there there are some flashes here and there that I saw last year, but you know, top to bottom, he's a fairly mediocre player. Doesn't look like he's going to be all that much, but it, they've got a lot of building blocks in place there. I mean, you know, one one thing that people don't really talk about just because you know Cleveland has been the, the butt of so many jokes for so long is is how good that defense is. You know, I don't think they played their best last year. I, I think that's why. Um, you know, they have a, a coaching change going in place there now. They've got some great defensive players on that team. I mean, you get Joe Hayden off the Adderall or whatever it is that he was taking, and you can find, you know, more depth at, at cornerback. Uh, their, their safeties are really good, and they have a great front seven. You know, that's a nasty defense. Um, it, when you have a defense that would rather be tough than look good, like Cleveland has, you're, you're able to beat teams that you shouldn't be able to beat, you know. The game against Pittsburgh, which is absolutely ridiculous, one of the most bizarre games you're ever going to see. They they got eight turnovers in that game. Granted, they still only won by six points, but it, they they had eight turnovers, and you could feel it. You know, the, the Steelers running backs were terrified to touch the ball because they were getting hit, and and you know Cleveland's going for the ball, and they just attacked them. It, it was impressive to see. Now you, you continue to build, you know, the offensive side of the ball there, and you actually put some some playmaking offensive players there that the franchise hasn't seen since Webster Slaughter. Probably, if, if you get those guys developing, you've got a, a pretty good nucleus of a team. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if they're competitive this year. You know, if, if there's been a year in the last, you know, twelve for the Steelers to finish at the bottom of the division, then you know, this, this very well could be it. And it's not necessarily because I think the, the Steelers are going to be terrible. I just think that the division is much closer now than it has been. And I know Steelers fans don't like to hear that, but Cleveland is, is not a terrible team. I mean, they, they could very well be, you know, 6-10, and 5-11, and 11, but I don't think they're going to be all that easy to beat through a 16-game schedule this year. Yeah, they're going to be one of those teams, I think, that, that uh, will grab those home division wins. They'll, they'll beat you know, probably Pittsburgh and, and and even Baltimore there at their home games within the division because when you've got a defense, like you said, that can get after you and create turnovers, you know, maybe the offense only has to put six points on the board because the defense is going to put, you know, is 12 up by themselves and, and hold the other team down. So uh, as a Lions fan, I, I count on the Browns to be terrible, so it makes me nervous as, as the Browns get better. That puts Detroit down in the toilet even more, so hopefully they turn things around this year and, and uh, don't have, end up being the butt of the jokes for, for another decade. I'd say um, you guys are probably more like Cincinnati, right? I mean, you've, you've got a, <laughs> a plus-grade quarterback category, but you've got a, a receiver that can beat you on his own, so you never know when you, only have, when you have those guys. Yeah, yeah. hopefully uh, hopefully this year is a turnaround. Well, um I appreciate you coming on tonight, Neil. Why don't you give everybody your, your Twitter handle and, and where they can find your work and and uh, and how they can get in touch with you. Now, the website is BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Uh, the Twitter handle for the site itself is BTSteelCurtain. Gotta gotta love that uh, lack of space when you have a really long website name. Uh, mine is Neil Kulong, N-E-A-L-C-O-O-L-O-N-G. Give me a shout out there. Um, yeah, behindthesteelcurtain.com. We're part of the SB Nation network. Um, check us out. It's kind of an active community. Um, you know, a lot of comments, a lot of interaction between fans, and uh, we really enjoy it. It's, it's you know, we we try not to take ourselves too incredibly serious, but we, we do like to produce you know quality work. It's not just kind of a, a rehash of headlines and 
cheesy jokes, we actually do try to, to put some effort into the writing. So, um, yeah, if you want uh, good discussions, it's a place to be in, in Steeler Nation. Well, I appreciate you coming on and uh, and sharing your thoughts on the Steelers, and, and we'll all see how the draft shakes out here in, in about a month. So I appreciate you coming on the show tonight, Neil. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Okay, great. All right, well, that was uh, Neil Kulong from Behind the Steel Curtain, part of the uh, SB Nation website. We're going to go ahead and take a break now, but after on the other side, if you want to join the conversation, you can call in at uh, 323-927-2906 and join the conversation. Our job is to make you better, to make all athletes better, one great innovation at a time. great athletic innovation isn't available just yet, but it's being built at Under Armour right now. I will. This is RF with the RF Sports Radio Show. Do you have a business, a product, a service, or a website, and you need more customers, advertise with the fastest-growing Internet sports radio show and market your business to sports fans worldwide. Don't miss a unique opportunity to capitalize on the biggest marketing genre in the world. Email me at rfsportsradio at gmail.com. That's rfsportsradio at gmail.com. We have options for every budget, and don't let business pass you by. This number, 9.8. That's not the time on the shot clock or the seconds left in the game. It's not the number of times I will light you up. Nah, 9.8 isn't any of that. It's ounces. And that makes this the life ever. Welcome back to Football Extra Points on RF Sports Radio. I'm your host, Scott King, and we just wrapped up a great conversation with Neil Kulong of uh, Behind the Steel Curtain, uh, part of the SB Nation website. So we talked about uh, the Steelers, their offseason, where they're heading in the draft, you know, kind of Mike Wallace moving on from them, where they're going to go, uh, what their needs are. So um, right now I've got them targeting a wide receiver at their spot in the draft, number 17. On my latest mock draft, I've got them taking Keenan Allen. I think also uh, uh, Cordell Patterson is going to be available, wide receiver from Tennessee. You've also got uh, you know guys like Tavon Austin who are going to be down down the board a little bit. So um, they may end up going that direction. And then 
going towards uh, maybe a running back or defense there in the second round. So, you know, as we keep going through the offseason and getting these uh, holes filled, we go through these pro days. So the draft boards are really taking shape. Once we hit the end of March, you know, we get through uh, March Madness, which everybody's talking about right now, looking at their brackets. Um, that's that's what we're going to be focused on, and football fans will, will be looking at. So the next three, four weeks is really going to be ratcheting down where teams are going, what the needs are, where their positions are that are left. So, um, you know, just uh, while I mentioned it, while I've got my uh, mock draft out there, I'll just run through some of the picks and, and share my thoughts on it. Uh, at the number one pick, we'll start at the top. I've got Kansas City going with Eric Fisher. I know a lot of people have uh, Luke Joko going in that slot. I've been impressed with everything I've heard from Eric Fisher and seen from him coming out of Central Michigan. Um, put him to the top of my board. Um, I think him and Joko are a 1-1A one one as far as offensive tackles go. I've got Joko going number two to Jacksonville, but I think those guys could go either either position. So um, that's not a that's not a big surprise that these guys will go there at the top of the draft. Um, I also have at number three uh, Sharif Floyd. He's the uh, defensive tackle going to the Oakland Raiders. I think uh, you know the Raiders they need help all over the place. Um, as always, never really know what direction they're going. Uh, I, I'll offer up my services to be the general manager anytime they want to hire me. I think I do a pretty solid job. Um, but they've uh, got them going with the uh, D-tackle. Uh, Star Latulale, the other defensive tackle, going to Philadelphia at number four. Uh, for the Lions, I've got them going Deion Jordan, off, uh, outside linebacker. There at number five, uh, Cleveland at six, D. Milner, a cornerback, Arizona and Buffalo. These are two teams that need a need a quarterback. Uh, Arizona's released Cobb, Buffalo's re- released Fitzpatrick. So I've gone ahead and given uh, Arizona at number seven, Geno Smith, and I put Buffalo taking Matt Barkley. And I know um, people are really down on Barkley this season. Um, the guy was you know, would have been a top five draft pick last year and, and he comes back and all of a sudden there there's all these flaws that are exposed in his game. And, and I guess, you know, there is some reality there that you're going to find more flaws the more you see somebody. But I just don't see how a guy can go from uh, a top, you know, five quarterback in the league to or in the draft to completely off the radar. So uh, he's probably not going to go there, but, you know, when putting these mock drafts together, you look at team needs, and uh, I, I went ahead and put them to Buffalo. So uh, we'll see what happens. The Jets at number nine, I've got them going Jarvis Jones. Uh, and then at 10 for the Titans, I've got them going uh, Bjorn Werner, defensive end out of Florida State. So I'll just touch on a few other kind of high points through the draft here. Ezekiel uh, Anza, the uh, D end out of BYU, got him going 15 to New Orleans. Uh, he's a player. That, that's getting a lot of discussion right now. A lot of people like to compare him to Jason Pierre-Paul, uh, the the uh, DN playing for the Giants that came out of USF as a super athletic guy who didn't really play a lot of uh, out of football growing up, but just has a, a huge upside. So uh, we'll see where he goes there. 
couple other high points. Uh, let's see here. I've got uh, Minnesota picking up Tavon Austin, uh, figuring they'll take a wide receiver to replace Percy Harvin. And then down towards the end of the draft, uh, we've got uh, Denver going with Manti Teo. And uh, that's pretty much the, the high points there in the draft. So uh looks like we have uh, Chris uh, Daughtry from the Draft Insider on the line. So uh, we'll go ahead and dive into the conversation with him. How, how are you doing tonight, Chris? Scott, I'm doing good. How are you? Thanks for having me on the show. <laughs> Great. No problem. Thanks for coming on. Um, so we're we're obviously diving through the, the uh, offseason and, and the mock drafts and and player breakdown. I just kind of ran through a little bit of my, my first-round draft and and towards the end of my first round, I've got uh, Denver taking Manti Teo at linebacker. Um, his, his pro day is coming up this week, actually tomorrow. And just wanted to get your thoughts on, on Manti and, and what he needs to do in his pro day to improve off of uh, his uh, combine performance. Well, I think that, you know, Manti Teo really needs to have a solid pro day, not not necessarily in his 40. I, I know that he does need to improve on his 40 to kind of get that that concern out of the scouts' minds. But my biggest concern for him is the drills. You know, how are his hips going to look? Uh, because that's one of the biggest things for Manti Teo. Is I, I'm, I'm a huge uh, follower of Notre Dame, and I've watched him all four years. And, and one thing I'll tell you that I've said about Manti Teo is he's pretty much who he is. Uh, he, he is who he's going to be today, five years from now. Uh, he, he's pretty much at his ceiling. If not, he's really close to it as far as potential is concerned. The, you know, the guy that you're drafting – next month and the first or second round is the guy that you're going to have on your team in five years. He's not a guy that, that is raw, that has a lot of potential. Uh, he's pretty much maxed out his potential at this point. I think tomorrow at his pro day, which I'll be covering, he really needs to focus on those, on those individual drills. You know, how does he look uh, when, he, when he's going to change of direction? Does he, is he agile enough to, to make that change of direction quickly? Uh, can he turn his hips uh, to the ball quickly? You know, th- those are things that I'm looking at for Manti Teo tomorrow in his pro day. Yeah, and, and I watched the uh, obviously the national championship and, and really tried to focus in on Manti Teo. Um, I, I don't watch as much Notre Dame football as it sounds like you do. And the one thing that, that kind of I came away from that game with is you had an Alabama team with three, arguably three first-round offensive linemen, a, a true NFL caliber offensive line. And, and to me, it looked like Manti disappeared in that game. Um, did you see the same thing, or was that game just kind of a, a, an aberration compared to the rest of the season? I think any team that would have faced Alabama in the national championship would have got steamrolled. Alabama is in a different league. They just have the, such great coaching, such great development down there with Nick Saban and his staff. I think that those those players on that roster are just are just they're great players. You know, Chance Warmack is going to be a top 10, top 15 pick. DJ Fluker is going to be a top 15, top 20 pick. Eddie Lacy might be a first-round pick. Barrett Jones, with his Liz Frank injury, he'll probably slip into the second or third round, but he's worth the first-round pick. He can play center. He can play guard. He can play tackle. Manti Teo had a solid year. He came second in, in the voting for the Heisman. He had only two missed tackles the whole year. I think that, you know, as we discovered the hoax and everything that he dealt with, I think that that was more of the issue in that national championship game, not to mention – the, the difference in talent level, I think that played a – you know, Notre Dame doesn't play a tough schedule. They play Navy. They play Pittsburgh. They play Utah. They play BYU. They don't play LSU, Georgia, Florida. They don't play these top-tier SEC teams every year, week in and week out, like Alabama does. 
And a lot of people don't understand that when they look at that national championship game, when they see the score, you know, 42 to 14. Well, Alabama plays a lot harder teams than Notre Dame. So I think when you look at Manti Teo, you can't hold that national championship game against him. One, he was dealing with everything he found out about the hoax. And two, Alabama is just flat out a better team. They will be tomorrow. They were that day. And, they'll be, you know, they will be a year from now. So. Yeah, that, that is true. They they are kind of in a class to, by themselves. Another team that's that's in the market for a, a linebacker now is is the Bears with the, the whole Brian Urlacher situation and, and him moving on. Uh, where do you think the Bears are going to be going there at number 20? And, and is Manti Teo somebody that, that could possibly be on their radar? Well, I think with – first, I actually discussed this on my show just we had an hour ago. The one thing I want to say about the Bears situation, because I, I myself follow the Bears, and I know a lot of Bears fans who interact with me on Twitter who are very upset about this whole situation. One thing you have to understand is Phil Emery is, is seemingly doing business with the Bears the Patriot way. And we all know that the Patriots believe that no one player is more important than the goal, the overall goal for the team long term. And and Emery showed that with Erlacher when he decided to not give him $3 million uh, and decided to give him a take-it-or-leave of one-year, $2 million deal, you know, seemingly ending the relationship with them. For the Bears in the first round, I think they're in a position to take the best player available. You know, they need an offensive lineman. If Luker's not there, Cooper or Warmack, they're not going to take a lineman. They're not going to reach. If Tao's there, Tao's, Tao's not a first-round pick in my opinion. You know, I cover the draft year-round. He's not a first-round pick. He's a top 40, top 50 guy for me. He could be, he could be taken in the first round. Like we saw, it only takes one team. You know, Tim Tebow was a first-round pick because one team fell in love with him. Christian Ponder was a first-round pick because one team fell in love with him. So it only takes one team for for them to say, okay, well, you know what, we're here at 20. We love Manti Teo. We feel he's the best player available and the best linebacker. Let's take him. But with that 20th pick, I think they can go a lot of directions. I think they can go slot receiver. If a guy like Tavon Austin's available or Clarell Patterson happens to slip to them, I think that because Earl Bennett and Devin Hester are not the answer there with the third receiver option. They could go defensive line. They need another defensive tackle to pair with Henry Melton because uh, Henry Melton and Stephen Pio or Henry Melton and Matt Tawina uh, is, is not a good fit. They could also go defensive end, uh, defensive back. You know, there's a lot of options that they can go at 20. If I'm on the clock and a guy like Kevin Minter from LSU, a middle linebacker, Alec Ogletree is there, I would take one of those two players at 20th overall. Yeah, Ogletree uh, is actually somebody I've got uh, in my latest mock draft going 19 to the Bear or to the Giants. So he's he's right there in that in that uh, range where he could be in, in, available along with you know Cooper and uh, I actually in my latest mock draft have him taking uh, Tyler Eifert the tight end uh, at that slot, but um, uh, they they could go any number of directions there. In the uh, in the draft, yeah, I mean, I certainly um, think that with, that with the Bears, in my personal opinion, from what I what I know about the Bears front office and what I think they're going to do, I think they're going to go best player available at that point, unless one of the top linemen is on the board. Yeah, and they really upgraded their their wide receiver position. Uh, I, I'm actually here in Columbia, so Alshon Jeffrey is somebody that that I'm very familiar with, and I was extremely excited um, for the for the Bears to, to pick him up because I knew he was going to be a big target there um, paired up with Brandon Marshall. And I think this year, you know, you're going to see hopefully, um, you know, the Bears figure out how to use those guys together. And if uh, Cutler can stay upright, 
uh, you know, he's poised for a, for a huge season this year. Well, one thing about Alshon Jeffries, he's got to stay healthy. You know, he was injured way too much last year. You know, and when you're a rookie and you're you know you're not playing, you're not learning the playbook, and you're not gaining chemistry. So that's something that Alshon Jeffrey has to make sure that he does to stay healthy for them this year if he wants to be at all involved in that offense moving forward. Yeah, I, I was one that last year with uh, Brandon Marshall and Cutler. I actually uh, took Cutler as uh, as my first pick in the draft and paired him with Brandon Marshall and expected big things. And unfortunately, it didn't pan out. Mainly, uh, you know, I, I I blame mainly the offensive line. I don't know how you, you see things there, but uh, they they if they could give that him some time, they they could do some damage for sure. Yeah, I think. Well, the, the, are you talking about fantasy? Yeah, I mean, Jake Cutler. Uh, I, I write for fantasy football when the draft is not in season. Jake Cutler is not a fantasy quarterback. He's not a fantasy guy. He's not a guy you want starting on your fantasy team week in and week out. He's a good bye week option, uh, but he's not a guy I would take high in the draft. As far as you know, the tandem, the Marshall Cutler tandem, uh, it's not like it was in Denver. You know, it's not the offensive line that had in Denver. It's not the running game that had in Denver. You know, I, I was a big. Uh, opposer to to the long term deal they gave Matt Forte, and I just think that you know with the lack of, of durability Forte shows that puts a lot of pressure on Cutler to get that ball out, and with bad offensive line it makes it even worse. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It, they need to uh, to make some moves at the at the offensive uh, offensive line, and and that division overall. Um, I think I mentioned I'm a Lions fan, so I'm very uh, familiar with that NFC North. You know, you've got the Packers and the Bears kind of separating themselves, the the Lions trying to mess around with being uh, somewhere in the middle of the pack or, or down in two or three wins, and then you've got the Vikings. I, I can't really tell what they're doing. I, I'm not a Christian Ponder fan myself. And then you've got uh, Percy Harvin's moved on. So I think the, uh, the Vikings are going to have a really hard time uh, repeating their success from last year with that roster. Yeah, one thing about the NFC North and one thing especially about the Lions is they need a running game. You know, they need to take pressure off Calvin Johnson. Calvin Johnson's not going to have a season this year like he had last year. He may never have a season like that again. And that's not taking away from Calvin Johnson and Matt Stafford. That's just saying that, they, you know, they just lost their, their starting left tackle. Uh, you know, they need to solidify that left tackle spot. And, you know, I hope for them that they get a guy like Fisher or Jokel or, or Lane Johnson. Uh, is even an option there at five, but they need a running game. You know, Reggie Bush had one good year in Miami. They gave him $16 million because of it. You know, they're, what they're trying to do is they're trying to play his job at best. He's never going to play again, and that's unfortunate because he had a lot of talent. It's just that he had some serious injury issues that he couldn't overcome. You know, they're trying to replace job at best. You know, is Reggie Bush and Mikel LaShore a good one-two tandem? We'll have to find out. But, you know, th- you know, they really need to solidify that running game for that offense to be uh, anyone successful next year. Yeah, I actually just wrote an article uh, yesterday on the the Lions and and kind of grading each each unit on the offensive side, and, and they've moved on from Bacchus, Cherlis, and Peterman on the line. So they've lost three of their five on, offensive linemen, and uh, Dominic Rayola, you know, needs to be on his way out. So they've just got way too many holes to fill this this uh, this season, and and I'm really concerned about. I think they're building towards the future, but I think this year is going to be a big step backwards. Uh, I'm concerned right now, so uh, we'll see where they go in the draft. But I, I don't want to bore you with too much Lions talk because it's, <laughs> it's easy for me to, to fall back into that, and I could go on all night. So 
Um, so I, I know you just had your show, and you've got uh, um, your work is out there. So do you want to give everybody um, your Twitter and your website and your show so everybody can find you and, and find your work? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Draft Insider. Uh, a lot of our our scouting reports, our positional rankings, our mock drafts are all found on www.withthefirstpick.com, and you can listen to all of our shows that we've had in the past and in the future at www.blogtalkradio.com/draftinsider. All right, great. And you're going to have a, a special show the night of the draft. Yeah, we are going to be broadcasting live from the draft in New York City. Excellent. All right. Well, great. Well, I appreciate you coming on tonight, Chris. Hey, anytime, Scott. Thanks a lot. Okay. Thanks. That was Chris Daughtry from uh, Draft Insider. He's got some great work out there on Twitter and his website, and uh, he, he's a must-follow for those of those of us that are into the draft. So, um, touched on uh, Manti Tail with him a little bit and the Bears. So, um, you know, interesting stuff. And and one thing that's uh, that I say about these mock drafts is it's a lot of fun to put them together. It's a lot of fun to read them, but uh, they all have one thing in common, and, and that's that they're all going to be wrong come draft night. So so we'll see. Uh, the one thing to take away from a mock draft is who's available in, in your area. So, you know, we talked about the Bears a little bit, what they need. I've got on my mock draft, I've got Jonathan Cooper going 18 to Dallas, Alec Ogletree going 19 to the Giants, Tyler Eifert going 20 to the Bears. Uh, you got Tavon Austin, I've got it 23 to the Vikings. And these are all players, uh, you know, Chris was mentioning, could be on their radar for Chicago. So when you're looking at a mock draft, you know, yeah, it's fun to look at your team and zero in on that. But you want to look who's in the who's in the area. You know, what's, what's the talent landing around where your team's picking? And then you can get an idea. So, you know, come, come draft night, will the Bears select Tyler Eifert? I don't know. I've got him in my latest mock draft there. But uh, will they take uh, Keenan Allen, Jonathan Cooper, Alec Ogletree, Tavon Austin, which is within a few pick of the Bears? I, I would feel pretty confident that they're going to do that. So um, just just my two cents on uh, on the draft and how it works. So um, so as we uh, continue through the offseason, we're going to be talking to um, people that cover the different teams and, and bringing guys on. So we've got guests lined up every night. So uh, that's going to be exciting. So for tonight, I'll uh, go ahead and move on to my extra point, and that's veteran players moving on. And I mentioned earlier in the show and just a little while ago with uh, Chris, the Brian Urlacher situation. And and for me, it, it always comes down to, and, I, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again, it's a business. You know, teams are making business decisions. Players are making business decisions. You know, I hear people say, well, you know, players should be loyal or teams should be loyal. And you know, the bottom line, most of us in, in business, um, you're going to do what's best for you and your family. You're going to take advantage of the opportunity. If somebody offers you more money to do the same job you're doing, you're going to move on. If you feel like you're not being used to your potential and you can make more money somewhere else, you're going to move on. If you can be more successful, maybe it's not about the money. Maybe you want to go to a top company or, or make a big move and, and be more successful, you're going to do that. So you've got guys like Ed Reed who moved on to the Texans. Uh, it wasn't a money decision. He decided that he won't. He thought that was the best dis, best situation for him to win another championship. And Brian Urlacher wanted a little bit more money, so he's moved on. So, uh, you know, I don't have a problem with these guys making those decisions. Uh, I've made deci- decisions similar to these, and obviously not as many zeros <laughs> as these guys are getting, but it's all the same. So, uh, 
you know, I have no issue with these guys making the best decisions for themselves. Uh, so that was uh, that was our show for tonight. Uh, appreciate you tuning in. I'd like to thank uh, Neil um, from Behind the Steel Curtain for coming in and, and Chris from Draft Insider coming on and discussing the offseason. So uh, next week's show, we'll be continuing with the offseason program. We'll have some great guests on, and it'll be April. So the draft's right around the corner. So everybody have a great night, and thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.